Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows, too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can also save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support Rebel News without spending a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Hey, we all know that most of the mainstream media is in the tank when it comes to progressive causes, but when a certain CBC journalist actually tweeted that she was crying tears of joy regarding Kamala Harris, do you think even by CBC standards that was a wee bit too much to stomach? Sheila Gunn-Reed shall explain why female journalists love to champion the success of female politicians, but only if they are left of center female politicians. Kian Bexty ventured into the hinterland of Manitoba and he discovered something a tad ominous, namely a secret COVID-19 camp. Why is such an encampment there and why isn't the mainstream media reporting this story? Kian shall try to make sense of it all. And letters, we get your letters, we get them every minute of every day. And you had plenty to say about my video regarding dueling protests in Little Elmer, Ontario last Saturday. One was an anti-lockdown protest, the other was a pro-lockdown and pro-big government protest. Can you possibly guess, folks, which protest was civil and peaceful and which one was vulgar and violent? Those are your rebels, now let's round them up. Jen White is a journalist with the CBC from St. John's, Newfoundland, and she was literally crying, or at least she was, until she deleted her tweet about the suspected new VP of the United States, Kamala Harris. White tweeted this from her official CBC Twitter account, the one that has her CBC bio in it and her CBC email address attached to it. She wrote, I can't stop crying. What a momentous day. Thank you, Kamala, for smashing that glass ceiling. As a woman, I'm so proud and so hopeful for all the little girls and young women out there. It's been a rough year, but the future just got brighter. Hashtag, of course, this hashtag. The future is female. Get it together, Jen White. Honestly, act like an adult here. Now, the tweet is deleted, but this is a perfect example of the CBC's extreme 
political bias and their sexist treatment of conservative women versus how they treat liberal ones. I mean, CBC tells us they're nonpartisan, but to steal a phrase from geriatric Joe Biden, come on, man. Come on, man. Come on. And I make this point quite frequently. However, let me be clear once again, I'm not against bias in journalism. I'm biased, of course. I'm openly conservative. I'm an opinion journalist. But I don't like the dishonesty of journalists who claim they aren't biased when they very clearly are, like Jen White here. And more importantly, I don't want to pay for it, as we all do with the enormously bloated CBC. Absolutely amazing. Jen White, a CBC journalist from St. John's, Newfoundland, actually stated for all who cared to read that she was literally crying tears of joy over Kamala Harris. And no, folks, I swear, this is not a Newfie joke. And joining me now with more on the misty-eyed Miss White is Sheila Gunn-Reed. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Hey, David. Thanks for having me on the show. It is always a pleasure. Now, Sheila, as you mentioned, that tweet was indeed deleted. Yeah. But why do you think it was deleted? Because, yes, you and I would bet a large chunk of money that our audience finds it embarrassing, but... I could see others in the media mob responding with comments along the lines of, hey, you go, girl. Yeah, I don't think initially she realized just how gross and biased it is. <laughs> like, uh, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It's humiliating as a professional woman to be tweeting those sorts of things, that you're literally crying at the idea that Kamala Harris might, after you know, months of legal wrangling going forward might actually be the vice president because a geriatric old man stole the election. Like that it's embarrassing as a woman to say that stuff and that you can't control your emotions. But secondarily, I don't think she realized just how biased it was. I That's the bubble in which the CBC journalists live. They go around telling everybody, we're not biased. We're not biased. We're the state broadcaster. We're above it all. We're like aloof royals. But that's not the case. And they don't even realize it until somebody points it out to them and makes fun of them for two days about it. You know, Sheila, that is a very important point. Uh, and it speaks to journalistic ethics. It speaks to the standards by which general assignment reporters are supposed to adhere to. Uh, I don't know anything about Jen Webb, but I assume she's kind of a yeah. general assignment reporter, meaning that she's yeah. just there to, it's just the facts, the five W's and, and present it. She's not supposed to be like a Rex Murphy, an opinionated commentator. And that's what makes us a little egregious is that um, someone who is presenting herself as, oh, I just, I'm just this funnel that all the uh, facts come into and I churn out an unbiased story. Well, clearly you are showing your bias when you're talking about uh, tears of joy for Miss Harris. Well, and that's the thing. I don't care if someone's biased. I don't. I Like I pointed out in my video, I'm an opinion journalist, uh, but I'm conservative. I don't think that it shocks anybody to find out that I'm an open, upfront conservative. Even when I'm talking about issues of, you know, when I'm talking about the Alberta education system, I always make it clear. Yeah, I, I have two kids who are still in the school system. I, you know, when I talk about the oil patch, it's evident to everybody. My husband works in the oil patch. I'm a farmer. I want to be upfront about my bias so that people understand that these are the lens through which I'm reporting. But the CBC 
they claim to be unbiased. And because they're so unbiased and so important, we're supposed to give them a big stack of cash. But that's not the case. It's never been the case. And it's never been more evident how biased they are. And that's fine. Be biased. I just don't want to pay for it. I don't want to pay for journalists who cry about Kamala Harris and Joe Biden stealing an election in a good way. If you're disappointed about democracy being broken because an election was able to be stolen, okay, fine. But crying because you think Kamala Harris is breaking some sort of glass ceiling, I don't think so. You know, that's the other great point too, Sheila, is that it's not so much you know, subscribing to the idea of, uh, well, if you don't like what she's saying or tweeting, just change the channel. Yeah, even when I change the channel, I'm still getting a deduction in my paycheck to fund the CBC. And I mean, you'd think if the CBC were smart, or let's say this, a little more fair, maybe they could divide the company in half. They could have the left of center CBC and the right of center CBC, but oh no, that's not the way it goes. You have to uh, be all about Marxism, progressivism, liberalism, if you want to have a job there and not be shown the door. Isn't that correct, Sheila? Well, yeah, if you want to move the company, the mother corp, as they call it, a little bit towards the center or even have like conservatives, actual conservatives, not official TV, CBC conservatives like Andrew Coyne. On. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you want to do that, that that's a quick way to get your funding cut by Justin Trudeau because he hands all the, he handles all the purse strings. So you're only going to do what the boss wants you to do at CBC. And uh, you know, in my video, I pointed out just how biased CBC truly is against female conservatives, given that they're crying tears of joy over Kamala Harris versus how they've been treating female conservatives over the years, including when the Republicans 12 full years ago tried to run um of a, a woman as their vice pre presidential candidate and they wrote an article that was so gross they had to issue an apology and a retraction after international outcry so the, the at cbc there's only this glass ceiling if you're a liberal woman and just let's ignore all those conservative women who are who are smashing through it every single day and of course, you're speaking about Sarah Palin back then, but let's talk about current events, Sheila. Sure. In the last four years, Melania Trump has been the first lady. She yeah. has been very active on the charitable front. Uh, she has dropped dead gorgeous, but more than a pretty face, she's a very smart woman. She speaks fluently five languages. Can you recall in the last four years, any major American uh, woman's magazine having Melania Trump on the cover just one I mean I can't think of it because I think even I as a guy would have bought that magazine what is the reason for that unless totally the fix is in when it comes to conservative uh, causes and conservative females well the fix is in uh, we need to look no further than Leslie Lewis um, in my story I I just it's simple anybody can do it go to cbc.ca uh, Click on all so that you get all the search results. Put in Kamala Harris, see how many hits you get back. It's nearing 1,400, I think. And then if you go and do the exact same thing for Leslin Lewis, you'll get under 400. And Leslin Lewis should be the good news story of feminism, of immigration, of Canadian pluralism. 
if you care about those sorts of things. But the CBC doesn't. They only care about politics because Les Lewis, unfortunately uh, for CBC, not only is she a woman of color, an accomplished woman who made something of herself, she's an immigrant, but Les Lewis has something going against her, and that's that she's a conservative and a social conservative. And so CBC did not cover her or hardly covered her during the uh, conservative leadership campaign. And they really only gave her sort of favorable coverage, like, hey, by the way, look at this lady, after she lost uh, the conservative leadership. And I think a lot of that has to do with everything about Leslie Lewis busts the CBC narrative about conservatives, that we're anti-woman, that we're anti, to use the language of the left, person of color, that we're anti-immigrant. And particularly Western conservatives, because that's where Lesson Lewis drew the bulk of her support. It was from out here in the West. Those backwards hillbillies were overwhelmingly willing to support a black immigrant conservative woman as the leader of the conservative party. So CBC just had to put the blinders on until it was all over but the crying. Yeah, and again, her biggest sin, of course, was she was on the wrong side of the political spectrum. Sheila. Yeah. And you know, it, I mean, I remember this is a story going back 15 years ago. I heard it reported on radio. I remember laughing out loud harder than listening to, you know, 10 episodes of Seinfeld. And it was a school board in the UK and they had published a pamphlet for the students to read. And it was entitled something along the lines of great women in British politics. And can you imagine, Sheila, (laughs) conspicuous by her absence was Margaret Thatcher. You know it. She wasn't in that pamphlet. How how can you, how is this even possible, Sheila? It's possible. It's possible. (laughs) You know, in my video, I I mused aloud, like, does CBC have some sort of filter on the internet down there that they don't know about all these other accomplished women who didn't sleep their way to the top the way Kamala Harris is sort of confu- uh, accused of sleeping her way to the top. I believe her nickname mm. is Heels Heels Up Harris. There's a lot of other women out there who just, you know, made their way to the top in, in at the time, a very seriously man's world. Um, and many of them from the right side of the political spectrum, but CBC just doesn't even acknowledge them at all. Uh, you mentioned Margaret Thatcher. In my video, I pointed out uh, Sarah Palin, the vice presidential candidate. They just want to pretend doesn't exist unless they're calling her, what did they call her? A toned down porn star oh. in their article about her. Written by Heather Malick, by the way, oh. who now works at the tr- at the Star, which I mean, if you could, you can call a conservative woman, a toned down porn star, draw international outrage, have to issue in a, retra- a retraction and an apology. And the worst that happens to your career in Canada is you make a lateral move to, to the Toronto Star. I mean, that's that's the state of the media here in Canada. But yeah, they, they forgot Thatcher, Indira Gandhi, Benazir Bhutto, uh, Golda Meir. They forgot all these yeah. incredible women, these accomplished women of days gone by because Kamala Harris is running second fiddle to a, an old man in cognitive decline. Wow, it's potentially going to be a horrible four years to come, isn't it, Sheila? But listen, thank you so much for that excellent commentary, and you have a good weekend, my friend.
Thanks, David. You too. You got it. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed somewhere in the northern hinterland of Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Key and Beck, Steve, for Rebel News, standing in rural Manitoba, standing in a place at a location you probably wouldn't even notice if you weren't looking for it. This is a COVID camp, one of the ones that the CBC doesn't want you to believe exists. In fact, article after article coming out of the CBC and every other mainstream media site, but particularly the CBC, who is running damage control for Justin Trudeau, they say that no sites like this, now they're, they're not real, they don't exist. Justin Trudeau, of course, put out an RFI, a request for information, asking for industry to give them input, give the federal government input onto how they could best run camps just like these. And apparently they've set up a few already. Now, this camp in particular is run by the Manitoba Métis Federation, and it is currently standing empty, according to a conversation I had with two folks who are running maintenance here. Now, they weren't wearing any masks when I was talking to them, so I tend to believe them that there's no COVID cases in here right now. But I'm also curious as to what the purpose of these camps are, especially when it comes to Justin Trudeau's camps. The RFI states that it's for health purposes and for dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. But it also says that people can be added to the roster of these camps clientele for any other requirement that the federal government has. What are those requirements and why is the CBC so concerned with you knowing that camps like this already exist? Now this camp in particular has raised some concerns with the local community. Portage, Manitoba, just a few kilometers north of here, well their newspaper put out this article. They were concerned about the ominous barbed wire that is around this facility. It's pretty ominous. Now Justin Trudeau is furious about articles like that and stories like you're listening to right now. He doesn't want you to know what's going on. He doesn't want you to think at all. Listen to what he said. I was. Uh, chatting with a group of students the other day and uh, a young woman uh, asked me about COVID internment camps and I had to uh, explain uh, that as we consume increasing amounts and various sources of information online and around us, we need to continue to be attentive to source, we need to be continue to be attentive uh, to uh, comparing uh, various reports and uh, looking for trusted sources. Now in the article, the spokesperson for this site says that people would be referred by the provincial government and then sent here. It doesn't say anything about volunteering. It just says that if the government refers them, they will accept them. Now this could put them as a pretty prime location, a candidate for Justin Trudeau's planned quarantine sites. He wants to expand them. In fact, he wants them to exist for two years, up to two years. So right now, here, south of Portage La Prairie, at this isolated site, Justin Trudeau might send some federal agents to check it out soon. And maybe Justin Trudeau will end up adding this very camp to his roster of COVID camps where they send Canadians who meet certain government requirements, just like the RFI said. Now, if that's not ominous, I don't know what is. Well, it looks like Kian Bexty has done it again. Last month, he found that facility in Quebec, which was housing all those illegal aliens simply waltzing into Canada via Roxham Road. And this time around, it's a facility that is supposedly a COVID-19 camp. Wow, the plot surely thickens. And joining me now to weigh in on a camp that surely no one wants to go to 
is Kian Bexi himself. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Hey, David. Hey, so Kian, what the heck is going on here? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, we started looking into this camp a while ago to figure out exactly what was going on. And we figured the best way to figure that out was uh, to be to actually go there and, and see. So we did, uh, and I, I went all the way out to Winnipeg and then drove quite a quite a ways to get to this camp. It's very isolated, and I recognized it from the pictures, uh, but it was a little bit off the, the road, um, and it wasn't even a, a very well-traveled road. It was very, very isolated. I showed up there, and I started uh, looking around, and there was folks actually working on maintenance there that I ended up speaking to. They were able to confirm a few things for me. It was indeed a camp for COVID patients. They say at the time that I was there, there was no patients there. And they say uh, at the time that I was there, there was also no agreement with the federal government to house anyone, but that didn't bar them from uh, getting some sort of contract should Justin Trudeau move forward with uh, his plan to make COVID camps for Canadians. Uh, some reports say they already exist, some say they don't. The CBC wants you to think that they don't, but this site is certainly equipped to be able to house them should Justin Trudeau call on them. And, Kian, if these are indeed COVID camps, um, who are the intended people to reside in these camps? And by that I mean, Kian, are these for uh, illegal uh, immigrants into Canada? Uh, and we know that Ma there's a, an area in Manitoba that is a, um, uh, a threshold uh, for that activity as well as Roxham Road. Or are these camps meant for uh, bona fide Canadian citizens? Well, uh, originally it was intended, to my understanding, for uh, Métis individuals. Oh. But that could be expanded, I think, should Justin Trudeau sort of create a contract with them saying, uh, you know, house this many people for this long at these times. Uh, who it's exactly for isn't totally clear, but it, it, it is being, this camp is owned by the Métis, Manitoba Métis Federation. So my guess is that they would want to house their own people uh, first, uh, to, to support their own people, if, if that's what you would call it. Um, but it, 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 anyone could be there, I would presume, but it's, it's not clear at this moment. And, you know, it's this lack of clarity that is really egregious, I think, uh, Kian, especially from a federal government that, when it first ran five years ago, was, gonna, was promising to be the most transparent <laughs> Canadian government in history. And I just want to throw to a clip, in case people think we're going down uh, conspiracy road here. Uh, that's <clears throat> not the case. I want to throw this clip of uh, uh, independent MPP Randy Hillier, who, about a month ago, in the Ontario legislature, raised the question about these camps. And as you'll see, folks, in his first question, I, I think he was just given a bunch of baffle gab. And the second question, he was completely ignored. Here, check it out. My question is to the Premier. In my supplemental question yesterday, I asked this government if the people of Ontario should prepare for internment camps. In September, the federal government posted a call for expressions of interest for contractors to supply, provide, and manage quarantine isolation camps throughout every province and every territory in Canada. These quarantine isolation camps, however, are not limited to people with COVID, 
but provide a wide latitude for many people to be detained. Surely this government is aware of the intentions to build these isolation camps from coast to coast. And my question to the Premier is, how many of these camps will be built? And how many people does this government expect to detain? Question. Government House Leader. Thank you, uh, thank you uh, Mr. Speaker. Uh, it is very true that when people leave the country and when they come back in that the, uh, uh, the province is suggesting and, uh, and the federal government, in cooperation with the federal go government, we are suggesting that people uh, isolate uh, themselves. That has been a, a practice that has been very successful not only here in the province of Ontario but across, uh, uh, across Canada. And we will, of course, be redoubling our efforts to make sure that uh, the people of the province of Ontario uh, remain safe, Mr. S Mr. Speaker. Here's the RFP. And in the RFP, it uses clear language to express that these camps can be used for a broad spectrum of people, not limited to travellers. Indeed, it doesn't even mention inter international travellers. It's just a broad latitude of people. And I'll send over the copy of the RFP after. So your government is, must be in negotiations, negotiations and aware of these plans to potentially detain and isolate citizens and residents of our country and our province. So, Speaker, to the Premier, where will these camps be built? How many people will be detained? And for what reasons, Questions. For what reasons can people be kept in these isolation camps? And I'd like to I'd like to have the Premier assure the people of Ontario. Member take a seat. So Kian, that was uh, Randy Hillier, an elected MPP, trying to get answers. Uh, I don't think he got those answers. And I mean, you brought up the point of CBC. This is not something you're gonna see on the CBC. To me, this is a hell of a story. The fact that these camps are going up. We, we're not 100% sure. It doesn't say so in the fine print nitty gritty who's destined for these camps. This should be front page news. So why is the mainstream media not gung-ho to report this? That's a really good question. Uh, the, the mainstream media, when it comes to the term COVID camps, they want to stay well away from that. They want to not touch it with a 10-foot pole, and it's because they're all paid by Justin Trudeau, and Justin Trudeau knows that he botched this file so so perfectly. I mean, like, he, he put out this RFI saying that not only people who, that, that these camps would hold not just people who uh, need to be quarantined for public health reasons, but they would also they would also put people in these camps who meet other gov quote government requirements without elaborating on that at all, which is obviously a huge problem. It's it's not just the coronavirus and public health; it's anything else that Justin Trudeau wants to put you in a camp for. These camps could include that. Now, this camp, I I want to reiterate, isn't on a, a contract right now with Justin Trudeau. But uh, they did tell me that they would take any client who was referred to them, any any Canadian I, uh, or Manitoban at least, or Métis, who was referred to them by the Manitoba provincial government. They didn't say anything about it being voluntary. They didn't say anything like that. They just said if they were referred to them, their camp would open up their gates. They would roll their gates down and let them in and then close the gates back up. Um, and they would be behind this barbed wire uh, chain link fence, which 
uh, really was concerning to some folks in the community, according to Portage Online, uh, who said that it drew some ire um, because it's just such an ominous looking thing in the middle of the Manitoba uh, prairie. It, it just, there's this barbed wire camp uh, and, and people were rightfully concerned about it because they weren't really sure what was going on there. Uh, and they don't know what will go on there because if they do secure a contract with the federal government, which uh, is a possibility always, then, uh, you know, the local residents are, are rightfully concerned. Well, it was a heck of a story, uh, Kian, and, you know, who knows? Uh, th there is such a lack of transparency with this government. It might not even be for COVID-infected uh, individuals to begin with. It might be for enemies of the state. And, of course, enemies of the state, through the lens of Justin Trudeau, it's not somebody like Omar Khadr. It's people like you and I and Ezra and Sheila for daring to report this kind of thing. So uh, that's the second facility that your uh, hard work and your uh, persistent digging has found. Uh, one last question. Are you off to any other province or region of Canada where uh, there might be another ominous building with barbed wire going up? That's got to be a secret, David. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's right. Uh, well, I'm sure if there is one, it's going to be you that will find it, Kian, because uh, we can't depend on the uh, bought and paid for members of the mainstream media to uh, possibly embarrass the, the Prime Minister to such a degree. So Certainly thank not. you again for all your hard work, Kian, and you have a good weekend, my friend. Thanks, you too. Got it. And that was Kian Bexty in Calgary. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Someone just told me, sir, that they heard you yelling at the protesters uh, that you wished for them to die. Is, is that true? I cut the dog a little bit and she just sniffed it up. They want to wear a mask, they get the disease, they get stuff. That's what they're looking for then, isn't it? Oh, okay. I mean, if, if this is dying from the virus, are people dying from the virus? Answer me that. You answer me that. Are they, are they dying from the virus? Yes, but um, I guess when you look... Do you want to catch it? Because they're not wearing a mask. It's that microphone. Yeah. Oh, actually, this morning, sir. But, um... This morning? <laughs> yes. You're not with the plan either, are you? Okay, so... Where's your no. mask? Where's so, your mask? Don't get anywhere so, near me with that thing. Okay. Well, you're, you interrupted me, sir, so I'm just trying to give you some... Time I didn't interrupt you. I asked you a question. Yeah, while I was doing an interview, so... So, are you with... Point that thing at me! <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> is, is he with the radio station? Yeah. Well, oh, you're. I have a hard time not killing stupid people. Really? You have a hard time not killing stupid people. I do. It's all I can do not to. He, he, is, he is, he, like he says, you want to believe what you believe, you believe. I don't give a <laughs> Sorry, what was that, man? Where's your yeah, so once again, the love trumps hate crowd is anything but that. It is all about advocating and even using violence, physical violence, vandalism uh, to get their way. We're going to follow up on that thug. You mark my words, folks, if the police here in Elmer are not going to do anything about it, uh, because this is someone, I guess, who advocates the mayor's position, we will go forward with a private prosecution. So there were two protests last Saturday in Little Elmer, Ontario. One was anti-lockdown, the other was pro-lockdown and pro-mask and pro-big government. Can you possibly guess which side was civil and polite and which side was vulgar and violent? In any event, here's what some of you had to say about Elmer's dueling protests. And 
Yet another Rebel News microphone that is now dearly departed thanks to a thug who simply could not express his positions verbally. MJ writes, This is a prime example why the lockdown is horrible, dividing people and creating violence. The maskers are crazy violent. Yes, and it isn't it odd that the mask acolytes want us to mask up so that we all stay safe and if we don't mask up, they'll start throwing their fists around, which I would say is far more unsafe than the chance of getting the Wuhan virus. I think that's called perverse irony. Bruce McLennan writes, it's about power, not public health. I assume you are speaking about those in government who advocate more lockdowns, Bruce, and if so, I totally agree. So many politicians have gotten a little taste of totalitarian power thanks to the Wuhan virus and the subsequent attacks on our civil liberties. And you know something, folks? They really, really like the taste. Masonry Joe writes, Thank you, Rebel News. If the police don't press charges, you should file for assault and damage to property. Good luck and keep up the good fight. Thanks, Masonry Joe. That is exactly what we'll be doing if the police don't or can't do their job. You know, we're pro-police here at Rebel News, but the Elmer police acted disgracefully last Saturday, turning a blind eye to assault and vandalism on one side, yet laying Highway Traffic Act charges against the other side for such egregious crimes as, oh, not wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> Give me a break. And Shadow Bennett writes, Pretty convenient now, these extreme pro-mask wearers, can hide their identities. Oh, bingo, and yet another reason I absolutely hate these stupid masks. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.